is basically our point guard, two guard, guarding their power forward. And he says, get that out of here. Brown with two. Stands down on the football. Welcome back to another Celtics Pulse podcast. It's your boy Adam, and I'm joined by Brendan. How you doing, Brendan? I'm doing good, Adam. How you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. Would have been better if Game Two went our way, but you know we gotta take the wins with the losses, bro. Yeah, man. I say taking one game in Milwaukee is a success. Yeah, I tweeted about this earlier, actually. If anybody had said at the start of the series that we were gonna leave with a one-one split. I'm chill with that dude. I've got so much faith in this team playing at home. Yeah, so do I. And it, it was just two really different games, though. Like, the second game, it felt like Milwaukee was hitting everything. Boston couldn't make a shot. But I still felt like they played okay. Like, in the first half, really, it was decent. We were shutting down Giannis in the same way. And I'm confident. I feel like our play style, we don't really need to change anything that... You know, Milwaukee's not going to hit 50% of their shots from three again. Yeah, and Kyrie's not going to miss, like, 90% of his shots again. And Tatum isn't going to be quiet forever. Yeah, you said the Kyrie thing. It's crazy. Like, he was missing all these, not layups, but they're kind of finishes, I guess, around the rim. And you could say that they're tough looks, but it's really what Kyrie does. And he just couldn't hit any of them. Like, I've... That's the most off I've seen Kyrie on the Celtics, it felt like. He was just I, not sorry, able to get I think that was his down. worst one. It Wasn't that his worst ever playoff game? Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. I've never seen anything like that for Kyrie. Everybody has a bad day, though. And look, it's not going to happen every game, touch wood. So, you know, we, we let them take that win. We leave with a split, and then we'll take it back to Boston. If we can snag t- two games there then we you know we only need to split the series again one and one yeah so it is what it is man i'm not too worried so what i want to do today brendan i know me and you were speaking about this before the podcast is we're going to do some in-depth analytics for the starting five over the last six games how do you feel about that bro sounds good to me man who you want to start with Let's go with Hayward. Let's start with Hayward. He's the one who's had the roughest time this year. So if we go with him, and then we'll just move on a trajectory. Let's do it. What do you got? I got lots, dude. I got lots. So let's have a look at his usage. So over the last six games playing for Boston, he's been used on 16.3% of their offensive plays. I'm quite confident with that, dude. When he's averaging 12.8% on assists, so that means that for every 100 passes, 12.8% of those passes end up in an assist. Like, I'm chill with him running 16.3% of the offense for that sort of return. That's the 77 percentile in assist ratings. Yeah, Hayward's a good passer. I mean, I would like to see him almost be more aggressive, kind of assert himself a little more. But it's been working out, you know, but... I felt like in, yesterday, especially, he had an opportunity with everybody struggling a little bit to kind of take over a little bit, but that just doesn't quite seem like Hayward. But I haven't been upset with his series or anything. No, another thing I like as well is that his usage percent, his usage percentage, is down 
from the full season, but his points per shot attempt is up. So during the season, he was averaging 19.5% on usage rating during the offense and only picking up 113 points per 100 shots. Now he's dropped down to 16%, but he's picking up 124 points per 100 shots. So that's almost 10 points more, and that puts him in the 80th percentile. So it's a smaller sample size, but you can just see in the way he's playing when he's on the court. His confidence is coming back. He's got that bit more control over his body. He reads the game a bit better again. How do you feel? Yeah, I think that's exactly what it is. We've seen it for the last few weeks before the season ended, too, that he looks back to being aggressive, that he's actually attacking the rim, that he comes off screens with his head down a little bit more and rises up at any point. He just looks more comfortable again. He's way more comfortable, dude. From If you think back to like the start of the season, where he was and where he is now, it's such a massive turnaround for him. And it's been a hard road, dude. But he's yeah, doing he really, really was well. He really was a liability at first. Like, it was difficult to keep him on, but it was one of those, almost like what you do with young players, where you're like, all right, he's got to play through it. That's the way he's going to get better, except with an injury. And it's finally paying off, because he really was difficult at first. There was that game against Golden State, where one of the Golden State guys said that Hayward's a liability on both ends of the floor. It's true. At that point, he was. He didn't have his legs under him, dude. And you could see, like, a couple of runs up and down the court, and you could see it was taking its toll. And that's going to happen. The mental block seems to be going as well. Yeah, I think that it's it's all coming along. And he is going to be a big piece of this moving forward. That he really should be our sixth man coming off. And I would look for him to make a little bit more impact each game a little bit. I think that these next home games will be a lot for him. Because I haven't felt him too much in game one and two of this Milwaukee series. No, me neither. What I want to see him do, dude, is I want to see him getting to the line more. He's really effective on the free throw line. And to be fair, like over the last six games, on 13 point, well, 13% of his shots, he's drew fouls on. Which, you know, it's high. It's 87th, 87th percentile. But if we could get him up to around the 90th percentile, which he was when he was back in Utah, especially the 14 to 15 season then it just adds that extra facet to his game that he's currently missing because he is still pass first. Yeah, the only guys on our team that can get to the free throw line, it feels like, are Jalen Brown and Gordon Hayward. And Kyrie Irving is capable, but he avoids contact driving in. This is why throughout the entire regular season, we barely shot any free throws and we still see that happening. Gordon could definitely be someone to do that for us. Yeah, and we need it. Like, other teams are getting fouled against us. Milwaukee this series. It's going to happen more moving forward if we progress. Because we're such a pace and space that when you start fouling us, it starts disrupting the offense. So we need to be looking at doing the same back just to kind of disrupt their offense a little bit. Especially against a team like Milwaukee that want to get out and run. Yeah, exactly. And the other part of that is not turning the ball over, which I feel like the Celtics did a pretty good job of game one. And then it got sloppy in that third quarter of game two. But overall, we don't turn the ball over very often, just as a team throughout the season. And I feel like that is a big deal against this Milwaukee team. 
yeah, it's having that team full of passes. That's what makes Boston so unique at the moment is just because there's so many people on the team, especially in the starting five, that can just pass the ball, dude. Who do you think is the best passer on this team? Hmm. Do you know what? Part of me wants to say Kyrie's really improved, which he has. I still think it's either Hayward or Al. What do you think about injured Marcus Smart? I like Marcus Smart. I think he passes well because he's so intertwined with the offensive schemes. He's so in with the system. Yeah. So he knows where you should be, and he'll put the ball there. If you're not there to catch the ball, that's because you fucked up. Not him. Nine times out of ten. Yeah. Yeah, who- I would I would agree. I mean, I really do debate it being Kyrie. Like, the way that he's improved, and Brad has said that this has always been here, but he's doing something that he hasn't before. He's at almost eight assists a game during these playoffs, which he never averages eight assists going throughout his career. And it's just because he wants to move the ball a little bit more. Like he's always been a really surprising passer to me and he's getting other people open and it just draws so many people in anytime he gets anywhere inside the three point line, because you never know when he's going to stop and pull up. But it's just, it's just, it's interesting to me that Kyrie's in that conversation now. Dude put up a bunch of double doubles for the year, dude. Yeah. Game one against Milwaukee, double-double. His passing is so underrated, even now, because everybody's, like, it's Uncle Drew. Everybody sees this guy as an elite-level scorer, and they don't look for other things he does fantastically well, which low-key is passing. He's a really high-level passer now. Yeah, so the average assists in this playoffs, Kyrie is averaging 7.7. That's leading the team. Second behind him is Horford with four. He's almost double the guy behind him. What's the usage rate, though? Because Kyrie's got the ball in his hand more. This is true. So the usage rate for Kyrie Irving is 33.4%. It's an 81th percentile, which is... What is Al's at? Let me have a look. Al is at 20%. He's in the 36th percentile. Oof. Yeah. So Kyrie, you're right. The ball in his hands way more often, obviously. I mean, makes sense. Um, but yeah, so that makes makes sense of that a little bit. But he's hitting the passes on the point. Yeah, that's the thing. You can for, you can have the ball in your hands. If you're making bad decisions, you're still not going to be getting up into that percentile. Yeah. So I then, like Kyrie as a passer. I like him running the offense. I think he's done, he's improved so much under this system. So do I. I think that he's developed differently. I mean, this guy's still, what, he might have turned 27 this year. And there's a lot of improvement room for him to grow. Like, he's understanding what he wants to do differently. There's the narrative that he wasn't a good passer. He he should have shut that up if he hasn't already. And obviously, we know what his scoring is. I mean, the guy shoots ridiculous from mid-range like we said from three he's a beast he's practically shooting 40 percent from three he at the rim he's nearly 50 percent he's obviously extremely crafty it's just he has everything like i don't really have complaints he hasn't fouled very often 
He gets an okay amount of steals. He just feels more active on the defensive end. Uh, I'm very happy with Kyrie. Yeah, he's locked in, dude. Last few, well, probably since about halfway point in the season. After that plane ride, do you remember the plane ride? Yeah. He's just upped it another level, dude. Like, he's leading by example now. Yeah, and now we're full playoff Kyrie. Which is the best type of Kyrie, dude. What's his own... What's his points per shot attempt at? That is at 102. 102 points per 100 shots, which is only in the 31th percentile. It's pretty bad. Yeah, volume shooter though, dude. Yeah, but I mean, generally, he's pretty efficient. So that's kind of something they usually see Kyrie up there for. I mean, throughout the regular season, he was at 119, with 94th percentile. So he hasn't been shooting much really like well, it feels at, like him and everyone else are moving the ball a little bit more that's kind of what the issue game was two, game two is going to have affected that because it's only a six game sample size yeah so that terrible shooting night is going to have really affected that yeah definitely i mean so let's give the guy some props yeah and it seems like with him shooting a little bit less he's more often shooting when they need him to kind of on these bailout possessions. So that's going to drop his percentage a little bit. But Kyrie, don't worry, man. You're our boy. We understand. We understand. We know you'll be back next year. I'm sick of all this. Kyrie's not coming back. (laughs) We know you're listening. Give us a shout out. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Could you imagine? So what what do you think about Tatum during the playoffs? Obviously, he's been really quiet during the books. The books. Yeah, um, he looked really good against Indiana. I was like, okay, playoff Tatum might be a thing where he's turning it up to another level. Like you said, against the Bucks, it's been a little awkward. Maybe. I mean, I don't feel like the Bucks have. I was gonna say I feel like I don't feel like they have amazing defense, but I know statistically I want to say they might have even been the best defense. It just hasn't felt like that. But he just seems frustrated. Like he complains at every single call on both ends. Which, you know, he's a long guy. He does these crafty finishes. He probably gets fouled pretty often. But you need to get over it. Like the that bothers me a lot. But overall, he's just been off in this Milwaukee series. He has. He's been off. If you're looking at the stats, dude, he's been off pretty much all playoffs. His percentiles are really low. Like, really low. So he's averaging 32 minutes a game. He's being used on 20% of the possessions during offense where while he's on the court. During that 20%, dude, he's doing nothing with it, man. He's only getting 106 points per 100 shot attempts, bro. Damn. That's a shooter, dude. That's like that's what he does. If he isn't doing that well, tell me what's he doing for us right now? Yeah, he's got forty four percent from the field, in the exact same percentage from three. Yeah, which is fine from three, dude. I mean, that's a great percentage yeah. from three. But when you're only hitting, you're averaging just over one point per shot, which is chill, dude. But not when you're meant to be a difference maker, which is what you've built yourself up to be because of how you performed last year yeah you know i'm just uh look look his assist percentage is low but that's fine that's not his game at the moment like he 
should develop a bit more of an assist game just to keep defences a bit more honest with him. What pisses yeah, me off the most... Like... Go ahead. He doesn't draw fouls, dude. Yeah. Ever? No. And his free throw percentage is playoffs, which obviously is small sample size, but he's shooting three of them a game. 63%. Yeah, dude. I mean, come on. What's going on in his head, bro? Even on defense, dude, like his stats are a little bit better on defense, but at the moment, I can understand if he ends up getting benched come crunch time in this series, unless he picks it up. Yeah, to me, or do you think that it's because he practically was a number one option last playoffs, and now he's really feeling having to move it a little bit more? I mean, that could be part of it, but he was a number one option last playoffs. He hasn't been a number one option all season. He should know his role by now, right? I mean, surely. Yeah, yeah that's fair. You know, we talked about this a little bit before we started. Like, Jalen Brown has had an amazing playoffs every series, both series. And to me, that's kind of because I feel like Jalen Brown knows his role at this point. I mean, look, dude, Jalen's a smart guy. Like, It's well documented how intelligent he is and how analytical he is. He, under- yeah. he not only understands his role at this point, but he understands how to manipulate his position to the best of his abilities. So he fits within that system, and we're seeing it now. Like He knows he's explosive. He knows he's quick. We're against a really long, athletic team. We need guys like that. I just can't see how Tatum is going to stay starting when Jalen's playing the way he is. And at the moment, Tatum's probably the worst on the starting five, statistically. Yeah, I think he'll stay starting because I think he's still decent on defense and will hit his shots. And I don't feel like he's uh, ruining anything because it doesn't feel like he's even shooting very often. That I, I don't feel like he's throwing anything off, but we could get more from him individually. Do you feel like that's a lack of effort on his part, though? Maybe he's not running his cuts. Maybe, but I think that they were winning every game, so he didn't feel necessarily a big need to step up because he's like, you know, I'm not playing amazingly, but we're getting these wins. So yeah, maybe this loss is kind of what takes for him and Gordon a little bit for me, too, to kind of jump it up a little bit. And before anybody thinks that I'm a Tatum hater, if you listen to me on this podcast or you see me on Twitter or anywhere, I'm a huge Tatum fan. Like, I'll defend that guy to the earth. But right now, during these last few games, I think he needs to start proving why does people, fans like myself and there's more of us that rate him so highly. Because this is where you've got to step up, not regress. The playoffs is where you get separated. The stars get bigger and the rest of the guys just fade back into role players. Tatum is not meant to be a role player. No. And he had a really down year. And like you're saying, that he needs to shut people up again. That he's really got to show up in these playoffs. And I have faith in him. I think he'll come back. I'm not all too worried about it. He's my boy. <laughs> <laughs> so my boy, you're going to talk about that, is Jalen. Yeah, Jalen's your boy. You can have Jalen. I'll take Jason. Let's play two on two. I'll take it. I'll take it. We talked um, points per shot attempt, per 100 shot attempts. Jalen, 129. 90th percentile. Absolutely insane. 
no assists, not a great turnover percentage, uh, but sh- finishing 79% of shots at the rim, he's 41% from three. He's playing out of his mind. He's getting to the free throw line. The defense is there. He's kind of fouling a lot, not really getting steals necessarily, but he's moving his feet, staying in front of people. Something interesting to me. There's kind of been this narrative that the reason we need Kyrie is because he performs better on the road, and the young guys don't do that. Jalen Brown, at home, we'll start on with at the road, 17.8 points. And like you said, sample size, there were only two home games, and they beat Indiana decently on both of them. And Jalen didn't play great over two games, so maybe that's a little too much. But 17 points on the road, 59% from the field, 50% from three, and 62% from the line. Not very good from the line, but that's just a little bit of Jalen. At home, four points per game, 36% from the field, has not made a three or a free throw. That boy just loves to shut fans up, dude. Yeah. Oh, he's always shushing. He's flexing. You're right. I, I think that Jalen could like playing better on the road. I mean, some and I'm not pulling like that, that from dude. his numbers. Like, yeah. Some people are built for that, that adversity. You know, when like everyone's telling you you suck, the pressure's on a little bit more. Some people thrive in that more than being at home where there isn't that pressure to silence the crowd. Because that's half the battle, dude. If you can silence a crowd then yeah. you're in the home team's head. That's always, like, when I played ball, that was always my mentality. I mean, it's different here because there weren't a lot of fans. But whatever fans <laughs> there were there, if we can make them shut up, then we've got that mental advantage because we've taken that away from you. Yeah. And like I said, I mean, we feel like Kyrie's one of those guys. And again, sample size, he had bad that really bad last game on the road. But his home games, 28.5 points. 48% from the field, 53% from three. The road games, four of them, 17 points, 38% from the field, 28% from three. It's kind it, of backwards. Yeah, I was about to say, you're flipping the narrative on its head. Yeah. It's true, though, dude. Like like you say, there hasn't been that many games. Like It is a small sample size. I'm sure if you looked at Kyrie over the season... Those are going to be uh, skewered a bit more to the away games. Not much because it's Kyrie. Yeah. But I can see why you, you're so high on Brown at the moment. I mean, I was shocked with how well he's shooting the three. We all expect him to be a, a high level finisher around the rim. That's part of his game. His explosiveness helps with that massively. But his three point shot, especially in game one, was just cash, dude. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because like you said, the narrative on him coming out was that he doesn't have a shot, but even first year, he shut that up. Like, this guy is a very reliable shooter. His form looks good. He gets it off quick. I think my issue with Jalen is that sometimes he gets caught not necessarily having a plan where he's just dribbling a little bit, maybe loses the handle, but it it hasn't happened very often. He does a really good job moving the ball. You used to think that kind of if he was driving towards the rim that he was likely, unless he got fully stopped in his tracks, then he would pass backwards, that he was going to go up with it. But now, 
He uses his athleticism to rise above people, throw cross-court passes to weak side. Jalen is really coming along right now, especially in these playoffs. I feel like everybody moving the ball a little bit more and having roles and just focused on winning rather than all of these guys that think they can score whenever they want, just trying to do that, has really helped him specifically. I think he's really, really improved. On our roster... From the young guys, I think he's the most improved out of all of the, you know, the Rozier, the Tatum, then you've got Brown. We can't really add Williams in because he hasn't had a summer. Yeah, and it's funny because, I mean, the beginning of the year, he was terrible, but he just had two months of playing really bad ball. And then from there, he's been pretty consistent. And his numbers would be higher if he was on some team that, he would be able to get more minutes that they're not looking to win a championship this year. But looking at the percentages, and if you just watch it, you can see the impact he has on both sides. I think you're right about that. Like, when you say he had a few bad moments, like, the sport I do, that happens. So I'm assuming it's the same, you know, with any other sport. Because for me personally, the way I experience it is I'll improve, I'll improve, then I'll hit a wall, and then I'll regress, and then all of a sudden, I'll break through that wall that I was struggling to get past, and then I'll improve, 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 regress, and it's just that cycle continually, you know? Yeah, and that's that's mainly what it is. I feel that. Like, I mean, so kind of looking at that, October, first month, he was 30% from the field, 36% from the field, 32% from three. The next month, 42% from the field, 21% from three. And then in the last six months, three of them, he was above 40%. One, only one of them, he was below, below 30. So there is a little bit of, you know, a down month. But like you said, I mean, he's played great. Three months above 40% from the field from three is ridiculous. That That's amazing. And look, bro, with the amount of games these guys play especially, well, in the regular season, but all year round, you can forgive guys for having down months. They're exhausted, bro. I mean, yeah. I, the, the traveling alone must just fuck you up. Yeah, I agree with that. So, who else have we missed on the starting lineup? I've right got now? my boy Big Al, bro. Okay. That's the most important boy. one, maybe. Yeah, dude, I think he's so integral to everything. The people that don't like Al Horford are the people that are just dickheads. I'm only joking. You know, I just want to say the first jersey of this team that I got was Al Horford. That's because you know your basketball, bro. It's now, true. I'm only joking, everybody. Everybody likes different players. I'm cool with that. But I just think if you don't rate Al, then you probably haven't watched enough Boston basketball. It's true. That's There's a couple people where you can tell if people just look at the stats when you ask if they think they're a good player or if they actually watch. And Al Horford is the definition of that. Yeah, if you tell me Al's no good and then claim to be a Boston fan, that's fine, dude. I mean, look, everyone's got a different level of fandom and everybody looks for different things in basketball and anything else in life. But you need to know that this guy impacts things on so many different levels that the box score is not a way to measure him. It's just not. These stats we're looking at measure him a lot better, but again, it still doesn't look at his impact over the course of a game. But yeah. while we're here... You know what? It's not fine if you're a Celtics fan and you don't like Al Horford. We have an issue personally 
if you do not like Al Horford. <laughs> There's me trying to be all level, dude, trying to be fair. No, I'm not about it. Al Horford's the MVP of this team. This 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 round specifically, the way that he is able to shut down Giannis, he's the glue guy on both ends. He's a great passer, can do everything on offense, possibly our best defender, minus the this is me being a homer, defensive player of the year that's injured right now. I mean, the Al Horford does everything. Have you seen the way that he's been stopping Giannis? It's blowing my mind. Yeah, dude, he's just... He did it last year as well, though. Like, don't think this is just an outlier, dude. Like, he's done it to yeah. Embiid. He's done it to Giannis last year. Like, this guy has consistently shut down the high, the high-end, you know, superstar yeah. big men. They just can't... Then, they don't have an answer for him, bro. Yeah, and then on the other end, we just pick and pop, and Brooke Lopez cannot guard Al Horford on the perimeter. He's way too slow if he closes out. So we're playing the best two blockers in the NBA regular season in the first two rounds in Miles Turner and Brooke Lopez. And you never see them getting an opportunity to protect the rim because they're worried about Al Horford that's able to be on the perimeter and a good percentage from deep. That like it's just what he brings to both sides is insane. I'm looking at his shot chart right now and where that pick and pop takes place at the very top of the key is one of his most shot from locations. And yeah. then it pretty much like levels itself out around the top of the key and then it's all downloaded. And that shows you what he can do because he'll be posting you what one minute, he'll pass it out, find a way to get a screen and get back to the top of the key. And he's just as deadly there as he was when you was guarding him on the post. And that's the problem. Yeah. yeah. What I want to go to. Sorry, dude. Come on. No, go ahead. What I want to go to is I want to go to this guy's stats. So listen to this, guys. The guy's averaging 21% on his usage rate. So 21% of the offense goes through this guy's hands. Do you know why? Because he's the best. He's a boss, dude. Throwing up 18% on assists. 18%. So 18 times out of 100, the ball touches that man's hands. It goes into the next man's hands, then that guy scores. Come on, dude, man. That's 84th percentile. He, yeah. he hardly ever turns the ball over. He's in 18th percentile for turnovers. He's just such a clever player, dude. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. If you have an issue, I want you <laughs> to delete the podcast. Like, I don't want your listen. I'm sorry. Well, well, no, no, no don't do that. Just No, no, just... I'm telling you. Message me on Twitter, <laughs> at NBA underscore distributor, and we will hash this out about Al Horford. You heard By him, dude. Man, podcast, he's, he's willing to have, put up the fight. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to like go way over the top maybe and just say Al Horford's the MVP. Okay, but it, honestly, I had a thought that Al Horford could end up as the finals MVP if we make it there. I've got no shadow of a doubt in my mind that that's what's going to happen. Yeah, like there's Kyrie, of course. I mean, Marcus is another one that I could see like potentially thrown in there. But like to me, I think that Al Horford would get that recognition. I think he deserves that recognition. Oh, I don't yeah. know whether they'd hand it. Look, if we make it to the finals, then we don't just get playoff Kyrie. We get Oracle Kyrie. Oof. Oof. Yes, yeah, please. That, that's the difference, dude. So if we get Oracle Kyrie, then as much as Al deserves the finals MVP, if Kyrie leads the Celtics to a championship while being Oracle Kyrie, 
then he's going to get finals MVP. You just know it's it. It's true. But we could just go with the first year that the Warriors won, where Iggy got it for being kind of the glue guy and quote-unquote shutting down LeBron, even though he still feasted in that series. And then Kyrie can have the next three. Here's a question. Which one of our wings do you think match up against Durant the best? Tatum, because the length. I think that's the closest. And then I think Jalen is clearly the one chasing Clay around. And yeah, I think that it goes between Tatum and then sometimes you have Morris on him. I even I even would not mind throwing Marcus Smart on him. It'd be the same thing as Patrick Beverly. Yeah, and we saw how fun that was to watch. Yeah, and but even though that team, Durant is taking over right now, he's doing whatever he wants every night. Yeah, he's really playing out of his fucking mind, dude. It's ridiculous yeah. how good he is right now. Steve Kerr is giving him Jordan comparisons. I, I don't know his, what he ended with last night, but before that, his last five games since he said, y'all know who I am, I'm Kevin Durant, he's averaging 40 points on great efficiency. Dude is doing whatever he wants. It's, so let's flip the switch in classic, his head, dude. Where you want it, when you want it. Like, I will pull it from anywhere. You just tell me. The thing is, though, what I think he's doing is I think, personally, he knows this is his last season in Golden State. This is a hot take, everybody. I've got a hot take. You're going to listen, then tweet me, and we can talk about it. But I think he knows this is his last season in Golden State. He hates the way he's viewed because of what happened when he went there. So this is him playing out of his freaking mind to put another ring on before he goes away for New York or late or Clippers. I think it's New York. I think you're right. I put out a tweet a couple of days ago saying, maybe it was yesterday actually watching that game, saying that Durant will be the MVP of next season, not in Golden State. I've just got this feeling, dude. Like He's playing out of his mind to a point where it's like, I want this ring because... It might be the last ring I get. <laughs> you go and play for the Knicks, there's no guarantees you're going to win a championship. Go and ask Carmelo. Yeah, even though I think that Durant is another level than Carmelo. He is, dude, but he look, you see it all the time. You see it with LeBron this season. It doesn't matter what level of a superstar you are. You can't win a championship on your own. And with a team as dysfunctional as LA and New York... Sorry, the Lakers and New York. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's just, there's no guarantees. Yeah, that's fair. And that's part of my MVP prediction is that I think that if he goes to New York, all the eyes are going to be on him and that's going to be him needing to prove like, hey, I can do this on my own. Like those other guys helped, but I can do this, you know? Yeah, you give him a star point guard and an efficient big man. And I think that team's going to be a nightmare in the East. Especially if yeah. that big man's Vooch. And a star point guard does not mean Kyrie Irving. No, he's no one's taking Kyrie Irving, dude. I'm talking Kemba Walker. They can go and yeah. take Kemba Walker. But could yeah. you imagine that? Kemba Walker. Who else did I say? Vucevic. Durant. Well, you couldn't get all three, could you? Yeah. No, they can't. No. But still, but you know, they you... can work the money around if they're yeah. serious about making it happen. But those three as the big three, the spacing would be fucking ridiculous, dude. Yeah, I honestly think that there's a chance that they end up with Anthony Davis and Kevin Durant. I think that if they get the number one pick, even if it's not number one, that they could trade what they have 
including Kevin Knox and some draft picks for maybe AD. Well, you're getting Zion, dude. You're getting Zion or RJ. Either one of those two are fantastic yeah. prospects. If you're going to give up AD and you can get Zion, I think that's it's not a fair trade, but I think that's as close as you're going to get in terms of upside off a trade. Yeah, I think that that works great. And to me, I, I don't know. Do you do that if you're in New York, though? Or do you just keep Zion to keep him next to Durant? It depends, don't it, dude? If AD tells you he's going to sign up, like, re-sign. Yeah. To me, I, I feel like it'd be smarter to take Durant, but I don't know how high people really are on Zion. Like, don't you just kind of dream of these guys becoming... Like, you say that he's a generational talent, but AD is a proven generational That's thing, talent. dude. That's the thing. If you're... Look, if I'm New Orleans, I know AD's not going to sign another extension. He's not staying. Whether or not he leaves this year or next, he's not staying long term. If you then go and offer me a cost-controlled asset with generational upside, I think I've got no choice but to take that, knowing I'm going to lose him anyway, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I I think that that is a real possibility. I think that's that's a good possibility. I think that's if they know they're getting Durant. Which they seem pretty confident. I mean, look, there's a chance Durant stays where he is. He knows he can compete for titles every year. But, man, it's fucking boring, dude. I want it someone is. to beat them. So and bad. I think that both of those guys, Durant and Curry, are just absolute beasts. And I want to see them on their own teams. Yeah. I want to see what they can do without the other one to fall back on. Yeah, imagine when we see those teams matched up against each other like um, Dr- how would Draymond act playing against Kevin Durant I'd like to watch I'd like oh, to yes. see dude man it would be like an old western shootout yeah that's exactly what it's going to be who can draw blood just shoot 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 and that's all it would uh, but if you've got AD and Kevin Durant oof and then you just fill them around, fill the roster around them don't be shocked to see Rondo end up there for some reason. Yeah, I, I mean, like what, like a Ricky Rubio? Yeah, dude, Who knows? Like that yeah. pass-first point guard. Yeah. Talking of point guards, and this is completely off-topic, one player I was, and I don't know what's brought this to my mind, but you're all going to listen, one player <laughs> that I was really big on a few years back when he was coming out of the draft, and I'm just so disappointed, is Exum. Yeah, I mean, a lot of injuries. Dude, man, he was coming out the draft, and I was just so big on, like, yo, this guy's going to be amazing. I don't know why, but I'd seen some hype videos online, and you know how it is, bro. Oh, yeah. And then, like, oh, yeah. Australian th- players get super hyped at times for some reason. <laughs> ben Simmons, dude, his whole career is super hyped. Motherfucker yeah. can't shoot. <laughs> it's true, dude. Look, I'm not even throwing shade. It's proven. The guy can't yeah. shoot. I've really been trying to say that I think this guy's going to end up with a jump shot because to me, how do you not, you know? But well, this is why LeBron calls him like the young king. It seems like it's not going to happen. Like, he, he doesn't look at the damn rim. I, I just don't know, dude, man. I mean, look, guys like LeBron rate him really highly because stylistically, LeBron's probably one of his closest comparisons in the fact that he's tall, he's big, he can pass, he can run, he's mad yeah. athletic. He just can't shoot. No, I, but that's that's what I'm saying. You know that like 
LeBron couldn't shoot either, but he tried. Yeah, exactly. And, and now he can shoot. Yeah. And now, but Simmons, there's nothing. The free throw percentage is bad too, which usually is a little bit of an indicator on if you're going to be able to shoot. Not always, but it's just not there at all. I will say, I overreacted so hard to game one of that Philly Toronto series. I really yeah, thought, too. and even before the series started, I said Toronto was going to take it in five. I still think it's possible, but I, I don't know. I mean, do you think that Philly has a chance of coming out of there? I, I still really don't, but they played a really nice game too. Look, Philly are underdogs in that series. There's, you can't talk about it in any other way than Philly are not expected to leave that round. Unless you're a Philly fan, at which point you're deluded as fuck anyway, so let's just move on. But <laughs> <laughs> But no, seriously, look. Toronto are, match, Toronto are a stacked team who are coached by a guy that coached a team in my city in England for years. Just so you're aware, he knows me. I wish. But <laughs> that team there, dude, is full of players that have got individual defensive accolades. You've got Marc Gasol. You've got Kawhi. You've got... Who else has got a defensive accolade Danny on that Green team? Danny is, Green yeah. is all-NBA defender. Kyle Lowry, I think, is. Siakam has potential of that. Like, Siakam's the most improved player in the league this year, dude. Yeah. The guy's been the second-best player maybe in that series, really. So out of your starting five, four of your players at some point have been on an all-NBA defensive team. Yeah. You've got a defensive player in the year as your starting five that can stretch the floor. He's aging, but he's good. Do you know what I'm saying? I just think Philly are just that... Look, Philly are put together really well, dude. If Simmons could shoot, then Philly would probably be the more favoured team in this matchup. Yeah. And, well, I think a lot of they revolve around Embiid working in the post, and he can't do that against Marc Gasol. Like, he no doesn't chance. draw double teams. Gasol can just hold his ground. No chance. There's... Look... And then if if you do beat Gasol, you've got Siakam coming at you from somewhere, flying about yep. 40 foot in the air, just swatting you away. <laughs> it's true, yeah. dude. Toronto strike the fear of God into me when you think about if we get through this round, that's who we've got next. I mean, yeah, the Celtics definitely have the hardest path. Yeah, because then you've got Kawhi. So now it's their star players, Kawhi, our star players, Kyrie. Who's next? I think... We match up against Gasol better with Horford than they do with Embiid. Yeah, I think because Horf- uh, Gasol's a little slow now, but he's still strong, where if you get him on the perimeter, you can blow past him. And that's kind of what Philly did game two, was they put him in a pick and roll finally. That's all you can do, dude. The thing is, though, like Toronto and Boston are the two most stacked teams in the league. So whereas right now we're like, right, there's the, the book starting five are solid but we've got the deeper bench. We can call different plays and we've got more pieces to, you know, to put into place and use. When you're against Toronto, their bench is as deep, if not deeper than ours. Yeah, but to me, like the talent that we have coming off the bench is unrivaled. Like us bringing Terry Rozier, say Marcus Smart and Gordon Hayward off the bench. Those are all starting caliber players. I mean, Toronto, they got nice guys in Fred Van Fleet and Norman Powell has been playing great, but he's there. 
They should have um, Ananobi coming back. But it's not the same level for me. You know, like I feel like our bench is the best in the league. And not even to mention, both of these last Milwaukee games, we had our two best bench players, Gershon Yabusele and Robert Williams, both getting minutes. Maybe our best players on the team, Gershon Yabusele and the Time Lord. I fucking love Robert Williams, dude. <laughs> I really do, man. Every time you look at him, he just looks so fucking happy to be there. Yeah. So have you realized that, like, I feel like when he runs, he keeps his arms really close to his body and he takes really <laughs> small steps. I'm like, dude, you are so tall. I feel like you could get down the floor so fast, but you're just like jogging along, taking these tiny little steps. Like, I think this summer is going to be a big summer for him. He had, like, look, he got drafted. He had a few issues, which led to the name Time Lord. Time Lord. But this summer, if he can really <laughs> improve. What was that? I forgot about his beginning issues, and that's why where that came from. <laughs> about being late, right? Time Lord. Yeah. But if he can improve on his weaknesses, like, because a lot of them are quite easy fixes, right? Just learning where to move your feet, where to position yourself, working with the defensive coordinators. That's all he needs to do. If you can defend at a high level, you're going to get minutes on the court. So to me, and this is definitely me being biased, I feel like he's Mitchell Robinson. He just didn't get the opportunity. Yeah, I can see that. No, I can see that. But he's not. But he knows he's not going to get that opportunity once you're drafted by this Celtics team. Yeah, but I think that that long term will make him a better player. But he's just not showing up this year. You know, Mitchell Robinson had that stretch of averaging at least two blocks a game for what a quarter of the season. I think Robert Williams easily could be that type of guy. He just hasn't been able to learn by getting minutes and that's the best way that you're gonna learn but it's just not gonna happen his first year well it's like being an nfl quarterback that's just drafted you sit out the first year you learn the plays you learn the system and then you start getting integrated in year two so i'm hoping we see more i mean i don't want that to mean baines's minutes go down because i love baines yeah take so people to the house of baines bro oh yeah the mountain man you know my <laughs> grandma this is super random my grandma um, was like, you know, I was watching the Celtics and I like everybody, but I hate that mountain man. I'm like, who are you talking about? And she points him out. She's like, the one with the man bun. I'm like, oh my God, you're talking about this guy? She's like, yeah, he looks like such an asshole. I'm like, he's probably the nicest guy on the court. He's <laughs> like, Australian, dude. All Australians are nice. Apart from Ben Simmons, he's a prick. Yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> if you're Australian and you have a jump shot, you're nice. Yeah. And if you're Dante Exum, we feel sorry for you because <laughs> yeah. your in your medical bills must be ridiculous, bro. Yeah, honestly, the Australian guys should get together. Aaron Baines should teach Ben Simmons how to shoot. I think that's exactly who he needs to learn from. I'm quite excited, dude. I can't. I think it's next summer. It might be this summer. Uh, the Commonwealth Games are coming to my city, and Australia are playing. So there'll be Dante Exum, Ben Simmons. Any other Australians who I'm not thinking of right now? Patty Mills. Yep, they're Joe all going to be here, man, balling out. I think Joe Ingles is Australian, right? I was going to say Joe Ingles, but I weren't too sure. I'm, For maybe. some reason, I think that he is. I know Patty Mills is. 
Um, they're a lock anyway, dude. They're a lock to win that tournament, but I'm definitely going to get some tickets to that. Yeah. I might put an accent on. <laughs> <laughs> right, guys, so that wraps up another Celtics Pulse podcast. We hope you enjoyed the statistical analysis and some hot takes along the way. Please make sure to rate and review the podcast. It helps us out a lot. And we'll catch you again later in the week. Peace. Later, Say later. bye, Brendan. Bye. Bye.